welcome back to the Seven Lakes Sports Podcast. I'm joined early on a Saturday morning after a, a big victory. We're here in celebration mode. Our Seven Lakes Spartans had a tiebreaker scenario. So we'll kind of dive into and explain what that meant. But we took on the Katie Taylor uh, uh, Mustangs last night and we got the three to one victory. But before we get to that, let's just kind of recap from the last time we talked to Coach Amy Cadline, who joins me this morning, how the district season ran out. Coach Jimmy Hammond always talks about 196A is a league where truly anybody can beat anybody on any given night. And we see that proving itself in volleyball as well. We had a really nice first part of uh, first round of district. Only teams we dropped to was Cinco Ranch and Tompkins, who ended up finishing number one and number two. In that second round, though, things got a little bit crazy. There were some tough games. We went on the road and we dropped a 3 2 decision to Katie Taylor. Um, also, Kate, the Katie Tigers. We went to their hostile gym. We dropped a match there. So all in all, we ended up in a third place tie with the Katie Taylor Mustang. So coach, can you kind of describe everything that precipitated this, this tiebreaker match? It's maybe something that a lot of fans aren't aware of. Can you just describe what led up to the tiebreaker match and explain what was on the line in this match? Yeah. Um, Katie Taylor, um, they're a young team and they got better as the season went on. And so I think that, they were a different team in round two than they were in round one. And so um, that added to some of the flip-flopping that you saw um, people winning and losing. Mm -hmm. And then it's just, we have such a competitive district. And, um, and so there was just people that you teams just did different things. Second round. I mean, you got coaches that are changing up their lineup. Now we kind of know where teams weaknesses and strengths are. And so um, you had more competitive matches in the second round. Mm -hmm. And, and so, yeah, there was definitely a shakeup of teams beating each other. Jordan, uh, Jordan beat Cinco Ranch. That was a shakeup. And then Peyto, um, people started kind of, Peyto had a strong first round and then they looked a little different the second round and so it just created um a lot of mix sure. <laughs> I guess, in the lineup of who was first so in the end of the day like you said uh Cinco Ranch only lost two Tompkins uh throughout district play twice but then they also dropped one to Jordan and Jordan is outside of the playoff mix so like you said that young club over there pulling off a huge upset uh we did great to sweep Jordan that was huge for us to sweep both matches against Jordan because they were challenging for the playoffs as well. Uh, but at the end of the day, it shakes out to a tie between us and Katie Taylor. The things that were on the line is all playoff seedings. As, as a result of us winning, we're going to play the Travis Tigers, and we'll kind of go over the 26A standings. But had we lost that match, Coach, we would have had to face the Ridgepoint Panthers. And much like Tompkins, they went through a 16-0 regular season. You've been at the highest levels of coaching volleyball. How difficult is it? to go through a perfect district season like Tompkins and Ridgepoint were able to do. Yeah, it's super challenging. And I think people take for granted the fact that you have talent and you can have players that are some of the best in Texas, but if you can't appropriate, if that player cannot appropriate their talent in a team setting and be able to play with players that might not be on the same um, level, um, then you're not going to be successful. And so it takes a, um, a ton of massaging of roles and valuing um, your number 12 player um, all the way to the top. And so it is harder almost to coach a team that has um, an 
one of the best players, some of the best players in Texas. And so there's a lot to be said about the way that Coach Merrill has handled the the talent that's on her team and managed her team to where they don't just win, they dominate. Right. Um, And they they haven't skipped a beat. And um, I mean, look at their scores and they they take every match seriously. And so, yeah, she's done a fantastic job. I think they're one of the best teams in the state. Um, I think they prove that every time they step on the court. No doubt about it. So while the Travis Tigers, we're going to learn, is a very tough matchup as well, led by Coach Rachel Kessler, it it, it, it behooves us to avoid Ridge Point in the first round. And we did it with a nice, a convincing 3-1 to one victory. It wasn't easy. It wasn't a straight set, but it, it also didn't go to five games. So can you describe the match last night against our, our rival over there at Katie Taylor? Um, well, I think that the girls, they put it well when they were um, kind of pumping, they we have an inspirational talk where each player has an opportunity awesome. to talk to the team and inspire them. And one of our captains, one of our key players knows that she didn't perform her best um, when we played them the second round. And she feels that she felt that she contributed um, to she felt that she contributed to our loss. And so she chose to talk this game and, and she put it well. She said, this isn't a revenge game. This is a redemption game. And she said, she put it on the line and said everything that she was committed to do different. And I, I think it was just the perfect person to kind of set the tone um, for leading us and how we were going to handle ourselves on the court um, through the ups and downs that matches bring and how we're going to be resilient and how we are going to prove that we should be there. That is awesome. And, you know, that, that's for the fans tuning in. I think that's the great thing about the Seven Lakes Sports Podcast. We kind of get a peek into the locker room. And mm. just to hear that you have that in place, I just feel like, Coach, you've created a, a, a fostered an environment of trust. For a player to be that vulnerable, to make that statement, that tells me she knows her play, her teammates have her back. You know, and I just think that's awesome, Coach. So no, no surprise that with that kind of pregame speech, you guys went in there, you took care of business. And so here we are. We are in the playoffs now. We're looking ahead. We're going to have to make the trip down to Fort Bend County, which you and I are both familiar with. We're both from Fort Bend. Let's let's take a look at the 26A standings. As we mentioned, Ridgepoint won a perfect 16-0, so they were in first place. Fort Bend Travis, second place in the district at 13 wins and three losses. Their two district losses came, of course, to Ridgepoint, but then also those pesky Austin Bulldogs, which we're both Bulldog <laughs> alums. They managed to pull off a, a win against Travis. George Ranch was in third place at 12 and four. And then the Austin Bulldogs, they got that fourth playoff spot. You, you've led a pesky Austin team, you know, deep into the playoffs. And so maybe they do it again. Maybe we meet them later, but we, we're getting, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but let's focus on Travis. They're led by Rachel Kessler. Like I said, 13 and three overall, of course, the two losses to Ridgepoint, no harm in that. They dropped one to Austin, but. Again, 13 and three in a very competitive 26 A. I, you know, I, I would, I would argue 19 six A is maybe tougher, but I don't know. I mean, volleyball coach around the area may debate me on that. So can you describe when you, when you look at the film and you're starting to, to break down Travis, what, what do you see? Well, I actually don't have much film on Travis right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I'll go, they have a warm up game today okay, um, at good. Summer Creek. So I plan to go watch him and I much prefer to watch live. Um, so they, they um, have an outside hitter and she leads the team in hitting percentage. She leads the team in kills. So she is their go-to player. And um, I think if we can neutralize that and put our attention on that and we can reduce our unforced errors, um, then I think that's going to be our game plan. And we've had plenty of stud outside hitters that we have faced throughout district um, with Cinco Ranch and with Tompkins. Um, Katie has two strong outside hitters. So we, we know what it is to neutralize an outside and um, 
so that so that we can um, exploit their weaknesses and kind of do our job um, to get points. So that's I always think it's such an advantage for teams that play in tough districts. It, it's preparing you for the playoffs. It's giving you an edge, honestly, going through that 19-6A gauntlet. Like you said, all those outside hitters you faced, uh, it's, you're, you're, you're ready for this moment. As we go into it here, this yeah. is where it's win, it's win or go home, right? You know, this is everything is on the line. The game is going to be on Tuesday. You're going to have to travel down to Wheeler Fieldhouse. Anything you want to tell the fans in terms of uh, anything they need to know as far as uh, game time or if there's, um, you know, a, a group of students that's, that's, that's you know, organizing to support this, this big game? Yeah, well, we've had a great group of fans. Spartan Crazies have shown up big, and they've come to all our games. Last night, they were there dressed in Halloween costumes, and so they've done a great (laughs) job of providing entertainment and, of course, support for us, and the girls um, definitely appreciate having a fan base, and so, yeah, we play at five o'clock on Tuesday at Wheeler Fieldhouse. The girls love that venue, Um, and Cinco Ranch plays after us at seven. And so we look forward to supporting them. And uh, yeah, so. Go check it out. Tuesday night, you get a double header of two of our, our 196A powerhouses, our Seven Lake Spartans and our, and our friendly rivals there uh, to the north, the Cinco Ranch Cougars. Uh, yeah, so everyone get there, be loud, be proud, support the team. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Coach Catline. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Okay, after the break, we'll be joined by Jimmy Hammond to go over the game against Katie and look ahead to our season finale against the Cinco Ranch Cougars. All right, welcome back to the Seven Lakes Sports Podcast. We had a great conversation of head coach Amy Catiline as she got the big win in the tiebreaker game against rival Katie Taylor. And Tuesday night, it, it is the big playoff matchup down in Fort Bend County, Wheeler Fieldhouse, 5 p.m. against the Travis Tigers. But now I'm joined by head coach Jimmy Hammond to look back on our game last week uh, on the football field against the Katie Tigers. And coach, Katie got the best of us at the end of the day. The final score was 59 to nothing. 14 nothing at the end of the first quarter, so we hung in as long as we could. But at the end of the day, they're they're a top five team in the state. And really, you know, when you think about Texas football, that, that's talking to top five, top ten in the country. So when you play a team like that, because most high schoolers do not get the experience to play against a top five team. I know I never had could say I had that honor as a high school player. So reflecting on it, what can you draw, even though in a law in a losing effort? Is there a positive to be drawn just to experience playing a team of that caliber? I think what it does is it it shows it really showed their depth from top to bottom. Um, they have, you know, two great running backs that they use as a one two punch. And it kind of shows you that even the best teams need depth. Mm-hmm. Um, also on their offensive line, you know, the, when when they did put in a second offensive line or backups as part of their first offensive line, those guys were seemed to be just as good. Um, they used two tight ends uh, a lot, and both of them were were very very good players. Um, they were, they had a multitude of receivers that they that they brought in the game. So it kind of shows you that depth matters even on the best teams. Um, they did the same thing on defense with, you know, they play a three four defense and were playing multiple defensive linemen and linebackers um, as as the game was going. And all and really didn't really didn't uh, see much of a difference between the first and the seconds. Um, and so I think that's one thing that you can draw from it. And that's one thing you can tell your players, like all of you matter, you know, Mm -hmm. all of you matter to our program and it doesn't matter what program you're in, you're all important. Um, and you all play a role and you could really see that out out of Katie because they had a lot of different players that they were utilizing in, in meaningful reps, not just at the end of the game, but meaningful reps. 
you mentioned that famous KD 3-4 defense. And so it was a tough sledding, you know, for us throughout the game offensively. Leading the uh, the receiving core was Marcel Davis, as as has become customary, uh, two catches, 21 yards. And again, the name Donye Lake pops up for the second week in a row. He was able to pop a couple in the second half, and he finished with six carries for 58 yards. So as you roll into this Cinco Ranch matchup, I mean, again, you have three kids uh, in that class of 2024 at the running back position where you're, you're, you're building depth, honestly, at running back. I mean, I feel like that's definitely a big strength of the team. So how do you feel to see Donye Lake provide another really eye-opening performance? And then you add that already to the Hudson Barrett and Jake Ferris, who've, who've had a great season as well. Yeah, I think, you know, he just creates a different dimension. You know, Barrett and Jake are, are between the tackle runners. And they're, and they're, you know, when they do get outside, they can go. But like I talked about last last week, that Donye has a, a different gear when he gets in, in space. And he can really, uh, you know, put a lot of pressure on the defense with the speed that he, that he brings. And so that's going to be a nice one, two, three punch if you want. Um, and we're going to have to find a way, like we talked about last week to, to get them all, to get them all carries and they're all worthy of it. You know, what, what a good problem to have, um, you know, looking to the future. And I apologize, Barrett Hudson. I, I believe I said Hudson Barrett. Sometimes with the two first names, I old coach gets it, gets it confused, but I'm turning our attention over to the defensive side of the ball, just some of the leading tacklers that I see on the tackle sheet. Bryce Turner, again, another week uh, leading in tackles, five and a half tackles. I see Isaac Radke, another familiar name, four and a half. Uh, Aiden Fletcher with four. Austin Easterling with four. Uh, in, t- in terms of tackles for loss, Dakaius Brinkley had a tackle for loss. Aiden Fletcher, a half tackle for loss. Satin Haynes. Again, another performance from Satin Haynes getting onto the stat sheet. Half tackle for loss. Fletcher also had a quarterback pressure. You kind of mentioned against this top flight talent, it kind of felt like, you know, you, you mentioned Dakaius Brinkley looked like he belonged out there and was able to really have a productive performance. So can you w- just talk about Dakaius's performance, you know, against a really, um, you know, a really quality opponent, how he, what he was able to do for you uh, the other night. Yeah. Dakaius had a really good uh, game. I thought, and he did make some tackles in the backfield, but he also, you know, made some, you know, normal, normal tackles beyond the line of scrimmage. Uh, but he played really well on the tight end. You know, we, uh, but, you know, they run a good good version of an outside zone, and he held the edge really well, uh, played on their junior tight end, um, who's, you know, probably an all-district tight end very well. He just – he matched them step for step all around. He was active in the defensive front. Um, you know, th- this team, you know, relies on the run and the play-action pass, s- similar to us in, in those ways. And so, Dakaius, you know, was able to play more at uh, what's called a nine technique on the outside edge of a tight end or kind of like – dropped off a, de- a dropped off defensive end when he was on the weak side on with on a tackle alone and so you know he played a little bit closer to the box um, was disruptive when he was doing that uh, was in the backfield a lot and I think that caused the ball to kind of bubble and help some of our other other players make plays and so sometimes I think uh, people forget that just defensively um, holding your gap making the ball bubble uh, making it string out although you may not get the tackle uh, you're helping your your team play team defense, and, and the guys really did that this week. Um, you mentioned a couple of the guys that are juniors, you know, with Aiden Fletcher and Austin Easterling. Um, you know, both juniors ha- having a good year, and then we'll have find a way um, to replace Isaac uh, Radke and Bryce Turner, who's been real productive for us. Yeah, and just one one last thought, you know, on uh, the performance from Dakaius Brinkley is, you know, you mentioned that nine technique, and for 
for fans tuning in, that's really playing essentially playing defensive end. You know, I think sometimes we think of Dakaius and he's, we think of him as an outside linebacker in space. He's known for his speed and athleticism, but that's really encouraging that you're telling me he could mix it up against Katie's tight end who's a very physical run blocker. And so just that dual ability of athleticism and pass coverage, but also physicality playing against the tight end and, and really a defensive end role there. I know that's got to be catching the eyes of colleges uh, across the country that he can do both. A lot of, a lot of the recruit, I mean, he's, he has uh, eight or so offers from Power right. Five schools. And, you know, I've asked several of them lately, you know, where do you see him playing? Because obviously their defense is going to be a little bit different than ours. And some play a four man front and some play a three man front and some play more of a nickel look more often than not. And where do you see him? And most of the time they talk to me about being a kind of a boundary outside backer or oh, rush gotcha. in, you know, someone that can drop into coverage, but also has to be able to rush the passer off the edge as well as play against the tight end, kind of what he's doing now. We play him to the field a lot, um, and we play him all over the place, but sure. we play him to the field some, and it sounds to me like uh, a lot of the schools that are looking at him uh, expect to use him as a boundary outside backer or a rush defensive end. So uh, he really fits the mold both uh, at, with his athletic qualities as well as his physical uh, his physical qualities to, to play in those roles. Uh, in the future but luckily we have them for another year absolutely and then it, we always finish with the metrics and of course the metrics you know they're not our strongest performance against an opponent like this however one 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 thing that did stand out to me was the third down conversions when we did get katie to third downs we got stops and so that there's something to be said for that so can you just speak to the i'd say the fortitude i mean it i, I think a lot of kids when you get down 50 plus points you could you could hang your head you could you could shut it down but it, it doesn't appear like the spartans were doing that when we got them into third 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 down situations we got stops and so i just i'm curious your thoughts on on, on that statistic right there i think with a team that's kind of a pro style offense that runs the ball a lot getting them in third and eight third and seven those are the situations that, like you want to put a team like that in uh because that's not their strong suit well, do they decide to run a lead draw third and seven? Do they decide to try to, you know, throw throw a pass that's maybe – I mean, they can throw passes, don't get me wrong, but drop back passes isn't like their strong suit and the play action pass on third and seven isn't nearly as good. So getting them in those positions uh, really favored us. Um, you know, we, did, we need to get into them more. Um, but when we got them there, you know, we were able to defend, um, defend those third and seven, third and eights pretty good. Um, you know, getting them out of rhythm – uh, you know, is always going to be good for your defense. And when we were able to do that, we did get him to punt. So that, that was nice. And then, of course, as we always do, let's talk about our sub-varsity. How, how did the sub-varsity fare against Katie's uh, sub-varsity? Yeah, we lost all four games. Our our freshman Orange team took the first loss uh, of the year. They, they had been undefeated with two with two uh, ties, uh, but they took their first loss 21-7. I thought they played really, really well. Uh, you know, and we – you know, we took some on the chin with our with our other teams this week, and just, you know the the thing like we talked about Peyto last week. The same thing's true of Katie. When you have the success and the tradition that's being built, the depth uh, that comes out for your sub RC programs shows through, and we could definitely see that with Katie. And uh, look, turning our attention now, of course, to the final game of the season. It is with with our familiar foe. I love the way that Katie. ISD typically does this where this seven lakes and single ranch uh, ranch matchup is the last game of the season, you know, a la Ohio state and Michigan or A&M and Texas back, you know, in the day. Um, can you just talk about the dynamic? Can you just kind of take us inside the program and what, what is, what does that week feel like? Does it feel differently in the lead up to, to this game each and every year? 
Yeah, I think, you know, the last few years, it's been the win or get in situation where you really felt like, um, you know, a lot was riding on not only the rivalry game, but getting in the playoffs. So unfortunately, this year, that's not going to be the case. But we still feel have the same feeling, you know, these these guys that are seniors, you know, we have not lost to them uh, on the varsity level for the last four years. So we're going into year five, having not lost to them at the varsity level. And so, you know, that feeling uh, is good. Uh, as far as, you know, where, where do you draw motivation? Well, right there is one of them. You know, they're just down the road from us. We're a school that split from them, um, you know, back in 2005. So, you know, all of those, all of those reasons uh, are reasons to be motivated to play uh, as well as just the, you know, the fact that they're just down the road um, and they, and a lot of our players played youth league sports with them, um, whether it was football, basketball, baseball, you know, growing up with them, in the youth leagues, but also in, you know, the sub-varsity, sub-varsity teams they've been playing against. So, you know, Cinco's uh, had a really, really good year this year. Um, you know, after some some struggling years uh, in the last three or four, and they are, you know, really um, doing a great job right now, you know, and, you know, have qualified for the playoffs, even with, with or without a win th- this week. So, you know, really, really good for them. Um, but we got our work cut out for us. We know that. Um, so that, you know, they have a great passing attack, which is kind of what they've been built on over the last few years, you know, three great receivers, uh, that, that can really, you know, catch the ball and make them go. And then uh, to me, the best quarterback in the district and Gavin Rutherford, mm-hmm. um, you know, he can really, I think he's thrown for over 2,600 yards this year through nine games and he can really, uh, you know, distribute the ball to all three of those receivers. Uh, Sam McKnight's playing running back for him this year and he's a senior and he's, he's much improved. Um, and it gives them a good stretch there. And one thing Gavin does this year that I haven't seen him do in the years past is he makes plays with his legs too, you know, some some scrambled plays because they throw a lot, but also some designed runs. And so, um, you know, I'm really, uh, you know, nervous, I guess would be the right, maybe the word, you know, to to play them, but, you know, excited to get the chance to play them. You know, what, what are we going to need to do to match uh, their wide open style of passing offense? Yeah, because they come into they come into this game six and three overall, five and two in district, which is in a in a tie for second place in district. And those standings are are all jumbled up. It's been all over Twitter, all the different possibilities. With I believe is it five teams I think that are still alive for the four spots. So it's going to be a really interesting final weekend. But like you have always talked about, nineteen six A, anyone can beat anyone, and there were some surprises. I think people's eyebrows were raised when Cinco Ranch beat Tompkins earlier in the year, and then the very next week, Morton Ranch came up and beat Cinco. So it truly is a situation talking to coach Catiline, uh, Jordan took a game off of Cinco ranch in volleyball, which was kind of shocking. We dropped the game to Katie in volleyball, which again, it's just, you don't, you never know in 196A what's going to happen. You can kind of almost throw the standings out the windows. But the thing I want to ask you about is the style stylistic aspect of this game. You're coming off playing a, a pro style ground and pound team in the Katie Tigers. And now you're going to the exact polar opposite plan a spread them out wide open style is that is that difficult or, or is it something that that you've grown accustomed to or can you describe that dynamic as you prepare to face a totally different offense what's that going to be like for you and your players you know katie's katie and us have been you know two of the only teams in 196a that you know run a traditional you know uh, two back or two tight end underneath the center ground uh ground first offense with the play action pass so we're not unused to defending um the the kind of no no one quite does it like Cinco you know they almost never play with a tight end 
you know, three receivers all the time, even, you know, with two backs in the backfield or four receivers or five receivers, you know, you know, five receivers, you know, sometimes it's a uh, four receivers and a tailback split out right into the receiver position, but nonetheless, you know, uh, no one's quite doing that. Uh, so that's going to be different. You know, we, we have uh, throughout the season developed some personnel packages where we put more defensive backs on the field. And I think we're going to need to do that, uh, which has been totally different. Like we did not practice our five and six defensive back uh, personnel groupings versus Katie. Why, you know, they're going to sure. get in two backs and two tight ends. It's kind of silly. Yeah. Um, so, but now we're going to have to bring it back and, and um, use it. And the good thing is, you know, playing them week 11 is that we have used it all year long. So it's not going to be a surprise. It's just going to be something we have to use more than we, I mean, we use it zero times against Katie and now we're going to have to use it much more. So, uh, you know, instead we were, we were changing personnel groupings from like our base personnel to a heavy personnel versus Katie and versus um, Cinco, you're going to see us change from a base personnel to more of a lighter personnel in a nickel and dime situation. And, you know, coach, I want to, my final question, I want to ask about the mental aspect of the game that, you know, people looking at this game from the outside in undoubtedly we're, we are going to be the underdogs. You know, if you just look at the district standings, you know, uh, Cinco ranch right up there near the top of 19, six, a, however, you, you, you brought up an interesting point in that Cinco ranch or Kate, we are five and oh against Cinco in the, in the past five years. So your seniors, have never witnessed a varsity loss to Cinco Ranch. So despite the records showing that, that Cinco Ranch would be the favorite coming in, what do you feel about the the morale and attitude of your players? Do they, do, I mean, do, how do they look at Cinco Ranch? Do, do they see the record and, and think one thing, or is it kind of just that, you know, we've had success in the past? Or I'm just curious, the mental dynamic of, of, your, of your teams uh, going into this a game like this. Well, we're trying to be five and zero, coach. We're four and zero right now. We're trying to be five and zero. Yeah, trying to be five and zero. I I think that they know that the def that if you look at the scores and if you've watched Cinco play defense, you know that you're able to score against them. Um, everybody has been able to score, and I'm not saying their de- defense isn't good. It's just the defense going to get out there a lot and have a right. lot of opportunities to have to defend, and that That's gives right. you yep. because they're going to score points that puts the defense back out on the field. So. Uh, I think our offense feels like we can move the ball uh, against them. Um, our defense knows that we're going to have to play a different style of offense. Um, you know, we talk about the morale uh, going in. I think it's easy to get up for your rival. I think it's easy to get up when you know it's your last game. I think it's easy to get up when when you have like a kind of a reputation to to um, to defend. Of, I'm not going to be the class that loses to them. You know, it's not going to be us. So I think there's some of that. I mean, I don't, I don't think our guys are, are naive enough to think these guys aren't good. Right. Um, right. They, they understand the talent level uh, that, that, that they have. Um, and they're going to you know respect that. I, I do believe that, but I don't think they're going to be scared of it either uh, because we have had success against them in the past. And, you know, right now for us, it's, you know, we got to leave it all out there for, for our lap, for our last one. So there's a lot of different motivational factors. You know, we have 39 seniors that, we're going to have, they're going to be playing their last game uh, as Spartans. And, you know, I don't know, we have those 15 or 16 juniors that are, or, or underclassmen, we got two sophomores, but 15 or 16 underclassmen that really want to, you know, put it all out there for those seniors. So there's a lot of different motivational uh, tactics that a coach is going to use during this week. Um, and sometimes the, you, you know, when you're playing a team like this, you don't even have to use them. They're already ready. They're out there right. they come out ready to play with, without you having to, you're going to use them anyway, but you don't, always have to because they're ready uh and so thursday night i i feel like you know we're going to come out there ready to play regardless of the records that you see and like you talked about before in a rivalry game you know throw the records out the window 
uh, they really don't matter. We've seen a lot of teams that, you know, in those rivalry situations that are quote unquote, the underdog that, that come out on top. So, you know, that's what we're trying to do. Um, and, you know, we'll see if we can get it done Thursday night. Well, win or lose, this game is going to be chalked full of emotion. You talked about all those seniors that are going to strap it up for the last time as, as Seven Lakes Spartans. I know it's, it's going to be an emotional evening Thursday night, 6 o'clock at Legacy Stadium. Get there early. Uh, be loud. Be proud. And Coach Hammond, thank you so much for joining us. 